Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday, the 10th of September 2017. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week, Tim's continuing our series focusing on faith, hope and love. And this week, he's focusing on hope. The reading is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. That'll be read by Jenny and then Tim will start the sermon. to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, You love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Thanks be to God for his word. Well, today we continue our focus on the three elements that we find in 1 Corinthians 13. Remember, we began this last week when we thought about faith, and today we're going to be thinking about hope. And the dictionary defines hope in this way. Hope is a desire with expectation of obtainment, to expect with confidence or trust. Isn't that good? That's a really lovely way of thinking about hope. So hope isn't just wishful thinking, but it's filled with a genuine expectation and connects us with having confidence in it making a difference in our lives. And that's certainly the emphasis that we had in our reading, which gives us our starting point today from 1 Peter. Do you want to read with me? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And the word hope actually appears some 68 times in the New Testament. And so it's one of those common themes of the early church. It's something that people based their lives and their faith on. 
And Paul wanted hope to be a resource and a motivating force in the life of Christians. As he says in Ephesians 1, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards those who believe? And uh, I came across an interesting thought while I was preparing for today. And uh, it was this, that hope is both a verb, so it's something that we are to do, okay? Something that we engage with, that we put into action. But hope is also a noun, something that we have, something that we possess, something that is secure and real and definite. And I liked that analysis because actually that helps us to understand something of the hope that we should have in our faith. And hope is one of the many, many blessings that God offers to all of us who will obey and trust and follow Christ as it's described in 1 Peter that we've just heard. And there we learn that God has caused us to be born into not just hope, but a living hope. A living hope. And we're going to think about that over the next few minutes, because a living hope can be a source of enormous joy in our lives as God's people. It certainly was to the original recipients of Peter's letter, An understanding of that living hope can help us today to be more joyful in what we know and experience of God's grace and power. So we're going to think a little bit more about what Peter means in this passage, about our hope in Christ being living. And it begins with Peter recognizing that this stirs up in him joy. It stirs up in him praise to the God who has loved him and saved him. So that's why we've started in worship, because it begins in that recognition of God's love and greatness and power and mercy and all that he wants us to enjoy and to know. And so the first thought I want us to think of is really simple. We have hope from our merciful God. Because the good news is that the basis for our hope lies not in our own perfection or righteousness. Now just have a quick look around. Make a snap decision whether the person next to you is perfect. Okay? (laughs) This could cause great hilarity as we carry on this morning. The thing is that the Bible makes it crystal clear. And we need to grasp this in order to comprehend why hope is so amazing for us. That remembering what life without the initiative of God on our behalf is like. 
helps us to ensure that our hope is from a place of thankfulness and not pride. Do you remember these words from Romans? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We ain't perfect. We haven't got it all sussed yet. And John 1 puts it in a slightly different way, puts it into an action mode, really. If we say that we have no sin, then we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The thing is, the basis for our hope lies in the abundance of God's mercy. It's in his amazing grace and love towards us that we are privileged to have hope. Because he chose to take the initiative to reach out to us as fallen human beings and to set in motion his rescue plan through the story and the reality of Jesus coming. And our wonderful, amazing God acted to make hope a reality for us. I love these words from Romans. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And his mercy is made accessible and real as we repent and we turn away and confess our sins. In fact, there's that promise, isn't there, in John 1. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The mercy of God is received and attainable to us through faith and obedience. And Peter explained the process and the repercussions of obedience when he explained to the crowds at Pentecost. He used these words. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. It's just so exciting that by God's amazing, abundant mercy, we who mess it up so often, we sinners, can share in a living hope. But there's another reason for our living hope. And it's hope in our living Saviour. The resurrection of Jesus is crucial to our hope. And Paul gets to the heart of this in 1 Corinthians. He writes, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. 
For we've testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, in fact, the dead are not raised. And if the dead are not raised, then Christ hasn't been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. And if you pick out the points here, it flows in a really logical way. So, if Christ isn't risen, then our faith is rubbish, he's saying. Okay? It's in vain. It's got no point to it. If Christ isn't risen, then we're still guilty. We're still wallowing in all the stuff that separates us from God. If Christ isn't risen, then those who've already died as Christians, they're lost. There is no hope for them. And if Christ isn't risen, then we don't have a living hope. And we should be pitied. Of course, that's not the reality, is it? And that's the whole point that Paul went through this great long list of things about hope and having it in the risen Jesus, because we know he has been raised from the dead. And we've got reasons to believe, because our hope is centered on the historical reality of the resurrection of the Savior. And we've got eyewitnesses. Hear what Paul said. For I received what I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called one, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Now I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach. And this is what you believed. We've got the proof of a world transformed by his being, by the risen Savior. We've got the lives of generations of fellow believers. We've got the impact of the risen Savior giving hope to our world as we look into so many of the dark circumstances in our world. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah.
that is the centre of our hope. And because it is true, then everything that Jesus said about hope is true. And Jesus explained his role in John 11. Do you want to say this with me? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Isn't that fantastic? And since Jesus rose from the dead, we've got a firm hope, not wishful thinking. We've got a firm hope that we too one day will be alive in him for eternity. Isn't that fantastic? You know, I've gone to some churches where people get excited. (laughs) But isn't this something we should be excited by? That the God who loves us, the God who is the merciful God, has given us a living saviour that we might have hope. That Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. By the abundant mercy of God and the resurrection of Jesus, we have been born again to a living hope. But Peter's got even more to say, hasn't he, about what this means for us. We should have hope in our inheritance, in our inheritance. The life of our hope is directly related to the inheritance that we've got in store. Remember what Peter wrote. Into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. And if our inheritance is good, then our hope is strong or living. If our inheritance is poor, then our hope is weak or dying. But as we've just heard from Peter, our inheritance is an inheritance that is incorruptible. That's a funny old word, isn't it? We don't use that one in everyday language. But it's really significant and important. The Greek word here means not liable to corruption or decay. It's imperishable. Unlike all the things on our cars that go wrong, this is imperishable. It's going to carry on forever. Unlike the works of our present world and our present reality, which one day will all cease, which the Bible talks about being burned up, Our inheritance is impossible to destroy. Isn't that amazing? 
But he also says we have an inheritance which is undefiled. And the Greek word here means not defiled or unsoiled. Our hope connects to the new Jerusalem. These words from Revelation, nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination or lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You can look up that in Revelation 21, 27. We've got an inheritance which is perfect, in other words. We have an inheritance that does not fade away. Now, how many of you feel like you're fading a bit at times? Yeah, we all do, don't we, at times? And the reality is that our life seems to be a progression of things running out or things wearing out, doesn't it? But our hope is something that will never wear out. It will never cease to be all it needs to be. For us to be secure. And the Greek word there is unfading or perennial. So it carries on renewing itself. Keeps going. And I came across this when I was doing my thinking on this. The word is a variation of amaranth. Amaranth? Those of you who are cleverer than me can correct me later. Which was the name of a mythical Greek flower whose bloom was perpetual and whose loveliness never faded. Isn't that a lovely idea? Never fades. Its beauty continues forever. And such is our heavenly reward. It's not going to rust, it's not going to fade, it's not going to wither like everything else that we tend to engage with in our reality now. And it's an inheritance that is reserved in heaven. And the word reserved means to watch, to observe, to guard, protect, to reserve, or to set aside. Lots of different ways of saying the same thing there. But the reality is that it's all talking about our inheritance is already set aside for us. How many of you have, uh, you know, set something aside before you could pay for it? Yeah? That's the sort of image. It's been put to one side, ready for us to hold on to and to inherit when our time is fulfilled. It's safely guarded in heaven for each one of us. And no one, not even Satan, can steal it from you. And the last thing I want to point out about our living hope is this. It's about having hope in our position as God's children. Our little passage finished with these words. You want to read them with me? Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Christians are protected, and the term is a military one, and I love the analysis of it. To guard, protect by a military guard, 
either to prevent hostile invasion or to keep the inhabitants of a besieged city from flight. We look around our world, don't we? And there is such insecurity. There are so many places where people are in pain and suffering, where there is no sense of wholeness and being held. That's partly why we work, isn't it? So hard to seek to help those who are struggling, to be alongside those in Syria, to be thinking of those who are facing huge insecurity in the reality of their life now. But ultimately, as we put our faith in Jesus, our hope is secure. Our hope is that we are guarded and protected. As Christians, we have that security in him. And being protected involves two things. It involves the power of God. We have the help of God himself. He knows exactly what it's like for us to face temptation, to face struggle, to face difficulty, because Jesus went through it. He comprehends, he understands, he relates, he sympathizes, he empathizes with the reality we face in our lives that God promises to always be with his people. Jesus assures us that he will never leave us or forsake us. And his power can rescue us from temptation to enable us to endure it. And elsewhere we read about the armor of God, which we're able to use to resist those things which might drag us down in this world. To live in the reality of hope now. It's not just a future anticipation, but it's something that resources us day by day. Something that can transform our reality and enable us to stand when everything else is rubbish, to simply stand secure in him. And that brings me to the second aspect. We rely in the power of God. Earlier we, t- we sang, didn't we, with the children, about our hope and it being in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is such a reality because the second aspect of our protection is our faith. To be safely guarded by God's protective care requires us to put into action the shield of faith. To hold our belief and our trust in front of us in whatever we might face day by day. We began today by reminding ourselves it's not our perfection. Do you remember staring at the person next to you and wondering if they were perfect? It's not our perfection or our righteousness that matters, but it's the perfection and the righteousness that God gifts to us through Jesus. 
And so our shield of faith is not about our strength, but his. So don't misunderstand this. It's not that we just have to, you know, try harder. It's actually that we need to trust more. Does that make sense? It's about taking that and putting it into action. As long as we remain faithful, then we have the assurance of God's protective care to shepherd us until we ultimately will receive that inheritance reserved for us in heaven. Our focus on hope this morning is thinking about hope being a source of strength and power in our lives. And it is bound into the big picture of God's purposes and plans for his people. And you and I are part of his plans and purposes. How does that make you feel? Does that stir your heart? Does that excite you in what God may have for you in these next weeks, months, years? It becomes personal and real as we let his hope draw us deeper into our relationship with the God who loves us. Our hope is living, not dead. Just remember the reasons for our hope today. We have hope from our merciful God. We have hope in our living Savior. We have hope in our inheritance. We have hope in our position as God's children. Now, which of those does God want you to be renewed, restored, and encouraged by today? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that the reality of our hope is not based on our wishful thinking, but it's based in your mercy, in your love. It's based in the reality of the risen Jesus and of his sacrifice making a difference in how we are and how we can move forward as your people. I pray today, Lord, that all of us, and particularly those who are feeling battered and struggling, whose lives are filled with just hassles and a bit of pain, Lord, you would renew our hope. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us with your power. Fill us once more with your peace and with your grace. Enable us to touch your heart, Father God, once more.
to look into your face and to know our place as your children. Hold us, we pray, in your arms. Help us to know that sense of security and wholeness and grace. Lord, for those of us who need to go deeper into this, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive from you. Help us, Lord, not just to hear words today, but to receive hope. In your precious name. To leave a comment on the sermon, please go to mynhead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.